Episode 4 of Poem Life, Ghost in Autograph Books. When I started the Rural Oklahoma Museum of Poetry, I did it mainly because I had a space. I live on the same property as my parents, and behind their house is an old tin shed barn thing that Dad built and used, he used to use it to work on lawnmowers and other equipment. He hadn't used it in a while, and when my sisters both moved out to this same property, we decided to turn it into a kind of meeting place between our houses. Now that worked for a while, but it really didn't get used much. It had no air conditioning or heat, though there was a fantastic wood stove that kept it toasty if you wanted to go to the trouble of building a fire. So about that time I had this dream. Literally, I had a dream at night in bed that I started a poetry museum. I asked Dad if I could use this building for it, and he said, why not? When we were turning it into a meeting space, I had found an old autograph book of Mom's in a filing cabinet inside there. It was from 1953 when she was in the seventh grade. The first exhibit I put in the museum when I opened it in 2012 was one on autograph book poetry. If there was ever truly a people's poetry, this was it. Everyone at one time had an autograph book, and their friends would sign it, usually at graduation, and usually it would be signed with poetry. Now, it wasn't good poetry, but it was the average person employing poetic techniques in order to communicate. Some would just call that verse or doggerel. The point is, people used to do this thing. The verses inside serve a variety of purposes, such as advice. This couplet is one of those most used in all of the autograph books I've looked at. It's signed, Your Pal Beverly. Love many, trust few, always paddle your own canoe. Now, probably two-thirds of the verses in a mom's autograph book are about love or romance or traditional notes, uh, traditional roles in marriage. My mom's name is Betty. Here's another verse in her book, and this one's signed, Love, Jean Fogelman. Betty in the kitchen, baking pies, Mac in the slop bucket, up to his eyes. Someone named Wade wrote this one inside. Sure as a vine grows around a stump, you're my darling sugar lump. Her boyfriend uh, at the time, Jerry, who was nicknamed Wheels, wrote, Don't know what to write, but I want you to know there was no one else but you. I guess the depth of his love paralyzed his rhyming sensibility. This is the only autograph in the whole book that doesn't use it. Another boy wrote this one, which is signed, Stupid Cousin Hansford Brantley, with the U missing from the word cousin. If I was a little pig playing in the yard, and you were a little dog, would you bite me very hard? Hmm, not, not sure what that one's about. The girls tended to write about marriage, albeit in weird ways, such as this one signed, Your Pal, Jeannie Markham. When you get married and live up the river, send me a piece of your old man's liver. And here's another more poetic version of the same, 
Signed, your pal, Louise M. When you get married and live on a hill, send me a piece of your wedding cake by a whippoorwill. Jean wrote, Dear Betty, a walk in the moonlight and too many kisses will change your name from Miss to Mrs. Jeannie Markham had another page and she wrote some more verses later in the book and they include this advice. Don't linger to kiss by the garden gate. Love may be blind, but the neighbors ain't. A friend uh, to mom to this day, Alice Saffel, wrote this one. True friends are like diamonds, precious and rare. False friends are like autumn leaves found everywhere. Alice also wrote in diagonal below this, Yours till the cow takes up her bag and goes shopping. Irene used the traditional phrasing for this verse to mom. Roses aren't red, violets aren't blue. When I pull off my socks, it smells like you. And here's a nonsensical one that I just love. My father is the butcher. My mother cuts the meat. I'm a little pork chop running down the street. I'm not sure what that has to do with anything, but it's funny. Of course, when Mom has her own mother, Ruby Wilkinson, sign the book, the verse is not funny at all. Dear Betty, don't say something you didn't mean to say and hurt the one who loves you more each day. It's just signed, Mother. <clears throat> this simple verse highlights what I mentioned before, that most of the autographs offered advice, which is what someone does when graduating or having a birthday or marking some transitional stage in your life. The problem is it's hard to write good poetry whose main intent is to give advice. Witness Facebook. Is two-thirds of your news feed filled with people using memes to give unsolicited advice or to remind themselves of advice they want to take. It's all kind of gross and easy and worthless as far as I'm concerned. So if you're going to give advice, I think make it funny, weird, or poetic, like we used to do in autograph books. Now, I'm going on about all of this because I too have an autograph book from my childhood. It's a homemade one. I have, uh, I folded three pages of typing paper and stapled them, and on the cover in blue ink, I've written autograph book, 73-74, meaning the years 1973 and 74. Sixth grade, and my name at the bottom, spelled with a W. Under the title is a crude drawing of myself, I guess it's myself, standing behind a brick wall with a dialogue bubble that says, School's out for the summer. The back cover is blank, and inside are autographs from girls in my sixth grade class. None are from boys. Now, I'm only 57, but four of the 21 girls who signed this book are now dead. One murdered by her stepson in 1992. One found dead in her home of unknown causes just last year. One who died of kidney failure brought on by alcoholism a few years ago and one who died in a car wreck in 1994. This last girl, or woman, was my first cousin, Luann Wilkinson. 
At the time of her death, her last name was Moore. Like me, she never went by her first name, which was Patricia. My first name is Stacy, but I have been called by my middle name all my life. Of course, unless I was in trouble, and then it was Stacy Sean. Luann was one of my best friends in elementary school and junior high. In my autograph book, she wrote on the first page, to Sean, to one of my best cousins and friends, good luck in the future with whoever, Senior 80, love you, Luann. Most of the inscriptions mention having good luck with the boys. In junior high, Luann was pretty lucky, if you want to call it that, with the boys. She was cute and easy to talk to and wore really tight jeans. She was an expert at applying makeup, too. She also got on my nerves quite a bit, calling me all the time. I've always hated to talk on the phone, constantly passing me notes and grabbing me to talk in the hallway at school. There was something overly needy about her that made me react to her without compassion. I was basically mean to her sometimes. Sometime in junior high, she started challenging herself to write me increasingly longer notes. Eventually, she wrote a 15-page one that I have to this day. I imagine I still have it because it was too long to fold up and put in my pocket and then later be deposited in the trash or be transformed into a ball of wet paper in the wash. My friends and I constantly wrote notes in junior high, but this is the only one I have today. I have a few from high school, though. The letter has a cover page that Luann has written on to make it look like an envelope. She has her name and address in the top left corner and my name and the address P.E. Oklahoma in the middle. The words hand mail diagonally across the left side and underlined. And at the bottom she has written 15 pages and underlined that twice. The entire note is written as one long paragraph. I'm going to read several pages of it now, and just to note, some of the names have been changed. Sean. Howdy. Well, I'm going to start your letter now, so I can get done. Well, you still haven't read my letter. There's a lot of people at the pencil sharpener. Well, I just got through reading your letter in geography. What is the name of your book? I don't know where I could have lost my book. I've looked everywhere, and I've lost my library book, too. I don't know what I'm going to do. If I keep losing things, oh, well, back to you. Now, let me see. Oh, are you going with Carrie Ray? I wish the bell would hurry up and ring. I usually use Kelly's book, but I didn't today. I'm almost finished with this page. Oh, and you know what? This will be the one letter that won't ask you about a question box. The first sheet of paper I wrote you on was borrowed from Rhonda. This sheet was borrowed from Sherry. Next is going to be Linda. You see, I don't have any paper, but I bet I can borrow all the paper I need for your letter. And all I need is 12 sheets. Carl Monk told me that my L looked like an R. I don't think it does. Well, I have to go to detention the rest of the week. At this point, the handwriting in Luann's letter changes from a pencil to blue ink pen. Well, I'm going to change to a pen. You want to know why? Because I can write faster with a pen. Well, I'm in English now, and Mrs. Green just gave us a worksheet. When I get to study hall, I can write you a lot more. I'm going to write you a 10-page letter. 
This is already the second page, and I haven't even got home yet. Well, I got to stop, because the bell is going to ring. Now, I'm in study hall. I'm going to write you and try to get a library block at the same time. Well, that short Indian girl had to change places with Lee. Well, I guess you already know that, don't you? Rhonda just asked if I would go ask her a question, but I told her I would as soon as I finished your letter. But she doesn't know how long your letter is going to be. David Fishinghawk just broke my pencil. I feel like killing him. He does it every day, almost. You know what? I don't know either. I just wrote that down because I didn't have anything else to say. Lynette looks awful sad. I almost had a library block and Johnny got it. Do you know who he's going with? Now I'm writing big so I can write those ten pages that I'm supposed to write you. You better write me one, too. But it doesn't have to be as long. Lynette looks so cute over there. Larry and Renee are over there laughing like I better not say. I didn't want to do front and back of each page because I would never get done. Grandma wrote to Dad, too, and then he didn't even write them. But of course you understand. Do you know how much is the basketball pitchers are? My mom's dead. Not really. I wonder if the bell's going to ring. In a minute, I'm going to ask Sonia. Well, she doesn't have a watch on, so I guess I'll just have to be ready for it. I almost forgot how to spell it. You know that little girl that was staying with us? She went to bed at 10.30 p.m. and got up at 2 a.m. this morning and woke me up too. But I finally went back to sleep. First she wanted to sleep with me, and then she didn't, and then she did, and it went on and on and on. Well, still haven't gotten a library block. I think I better just write you. Johnny got in trouble by Mrs. Hayworth just now. Oh, Sean, don't let anyone read this letter. Not anyone. The bell rang. Now I'm in math. Boy, I hate it in here. We've still got 25 minutes in math. We are going over our test paper. I made a 64. When I get on my bus, I'll start writing you. What did you make on your test? Gosh, I thought I made a better grade than what I did. When I get home, I'm going to eat everything I find in the house. But Susie will probably have already ate everything. As soon as I get home, I take my shoes off, turn on the TV, and then I lay down on the couch. But if Carl's home, I have to split up the couch with him. Boy, Mrs. Barrington is so boring. I wrote Becky yesterday. This math is hard. I wonder if she'll catch me. I hope she doesn't because I want to finish this letter in a hurry. I've never wrote a letter this long before. We've got ten more minutes before the bell. I hope we win tomorrow. I get to go to this game for once. Mrs. Barrington just said, We have ten good minutes. Yuck. Well, you look like you're really interested. So I'm going to pause the note here. I'm only on page seven. I wanted to stop at that line about her looking at me. She was always looking at me, gauging my response to the world we shared, but even more so, gauging my response to her. You're probably wondering what this note has to do with my poem life. I'm getting there. 
But I think hearing Luann's voice in this note in its entirety is necessary. Here's a few more pages before I stop on this podcast. Who's your best teacher? Mine, I don't know. Who do you think dresses the best of the teachers? Well, I know we have 10 minutes left. I haven't done nothing in this class yet, and I don't think I will. I'm going to see my mom this weekend, I hope, but I'll have to stay with Becky because mom's in the hospital. The bell is going to ring. I'm on the bus now. Well, we're off. We almost get off first now. Well, next stop, I get off. Here we are. Now I'm in the house. Well, I'm going to get my letter from Grandma and your letter and look at it. I wonder what she wrote. But I won't look at it until we both see it. I'm on my eighth page, and I can still think of things to say. Sorry about the mistakes I've been making, but I just can't help it. I'm really sorry. I've only got a little more to go before I'm finished with your letter. Well, Susie and Brenda are going to the laundry. Is laundry misspelled? Teresa is crying because she can't go. I can't go either, but I don't care. Now Tommy wants to go. He gets to go. So that makes Teresa even madder. Remember that thing in my room? That I'm nobody, who are you? Well, someone tore half of it. That made me mad. Kind of. Okay, I've stopped reading again. In those last lines, Luann is talking about poem number 260 by Emily Dickinson. I'm nobody. Who are you? Are you nobody too? Then there's a pair of us. Don't tell. They'd advertise, you know. How dreary to be somebody. How public, like a frog. To tell one's name the livelong June to an admiring bog. Once when I spent the night at Luann's, we locked ourselves in the bathroom and we changed an F to a B on her report card. And then we came out and we drew pictures. And I wrote the first two lines from that poem on a piece of paper and she taped it to the wall. I had probably read the poem in our language arts textbook. We were nobodies and I thought I knew her and all of her nobodiness, but I didn't. Boys liked her. She dropped out of school when she was 13 and had a baby not long after that. I remember she smelled like urine a lot of the time. In her 20s, she said she was going to file charges against her dad for sexual abuse, something she said had been going on for years from the time we were in grade school. She never filed those charges, and she died when she was only 31. I totally lost touch with her not long after this note was written, and she dropped out of school and moved to Oklahoma City to live with her boyfriend that she later married. When she died, she started haunting me and my poetry, and she still does.